Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 260th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that. To be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Flying solo again here with you guys today, Josh Marlowe, I am your host. Going to recap all of the happenings yesterday out at ACC tip-off as the start of the college basketball season is getting closer and closer. We are roughly 10, 11 days away uh, from the season getting underway. And yesterday, the Tar Heels, along with uh, every member of the ACC, they were in Charlotte meeting with the local and national assembled media. I was out there on behalf of... WFNZ got a chance to talk with Hubert Davis and Armando Baycott, uh, some audio that we will I will bring you guys a little bit later uh, in the show. So we're going to recap everything you need to know that happened at the kickoff event for what is uh, figuring to be another fun, exciting uh, year of ACC basketball, one that we're hoping that Carolina is a lot more uh, successful in as they try to make a return to the NCAA tournament. But we start. Every edition of the pod, as we always do with our pod thought of the day, and we go to Alexander Graham Bell, the guy that invented the telephone, and his pod thought is, when one door closes, another opens. But we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one which has opened up for us. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time this... uh, this 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 offseason, looking back at the disaster that was the 2022-23 season where Carolina started preseason number one, heavy favorite to win the conference, you know, heavy favorite to get back to the Final Four and win a national championship. Instead, we had to 
suffered through a 20-13 and 13 year um, that saw Carolina miss the NCAA tournament, decide to skip the NIT tournament, and see the program overhauled with seven players exiting via the transfer portal, uh, bringing five new ones in, and, of course, the two freshmen that we're all excited about as well. And so, you know, I'm basically saying that to say I'm done talking about last year as much as I can because it's just it's just human that we're going to look back and, and look at last year and reference last year uh, when things are going good or when things aren't going so good. But for the most part, man, like I said, we're basically a week and a half away from the start of the upcoming season. It's time to talk about this year because I, I, I am very optimistic that this year is going to be what we expect Carolina basketball to be. And, you know, we're going to do our bold predictions a little bit later uh, as we get closer to the start of the year. But I'm very confident in, in, in the type of team that Huber Davis uh, has put together. And I think it's one that's going to lend to Carolina being the type of team we're used to seeing them be on the basketball court. And so, like I mentioned yesterday, uh, Coach Davis, Armando Baycott, and R.J. Davis, they were uh, in the Hilton in Uptown, uh, a, a very fine hotel establishment um, for ACC tip-off. And this was, uh, you know, I, I, I got to the hotel about 8.30, 8.45-ish. I got settled in. I saw... I saw our guys downstairs having some breakfast, so it was an early start uh, for them getting, you know, into town and, and getting ready to go as they met with the media because, you know, even though Carolina isn't the highest-ranked team in the preseason poll from the ACC, they're arguably the most intriguing um, one and the one that's going to be the most talked about, whether it's right or wrong because, you know, as much as it's painful to say our rivals down the road, Duke, um, they've they've got a great team. They've got a great chance to win a national championship. But when you have the type of year that Carolina's coming off of, there's going to be some intrigue as, col- as college basketball's best program does seek to return to the top of the college basketball world. So what we're going to do is we're going to take you through um, some audio from the head coach and from the two players. Some of this audio is, is going to be courtesy of the Wesson Walker Show, the show I produce on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ in Charlotte. Um, and some other audio is going to be uh, from the guys speaking at the podium, getting ready uh, for the upcoming season. So we'll start with the head coach of Carolina basketball. Of course, you know him. I know him. He's Schubert Davis. And a lot of talk about the transfers that Carolina has brought in. Harrison Ingram is the, the, the most uh, attractive transfer of them all, and here's what the head coach had to say about his takeaways from the summer Harrison Ingram had upon transferring into the program. He's brought more than I thought, and I thought he was bringing everything. <laughs> I mean, he's from an offensive standpoint, his versatility of being able to play both forward positions. He's got great athleticism, quickness, and awareness, and size. Mm-hmm. His passing ability. He's he's able to score, shoot the ball from outside, also post up, finish around the basket. The thing that uh, not to have surprised me, but has blown me away, has been his defense. He's got great hands. He's always getting steals and deflections, and he's just really gifted. And his competitiveness is just. It's at the highest level, and so he's our biggest trash talker, which is uh, oh yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a good type of trash talking. It's uh, it'll get underneath your skin, and uh, we'll have to ask Armando about. Oh, that. he's it's, it's awesome. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard not to laugh in practice, but uh, it comes because he has a passion and desire to be out there on the floor, and I love it. 
you know, you go back to when Carolina really put the full court press on trying to get him to to transfer in, going down to see him in Texas, taking the whole staff. Hubert Davis knew how important this guy was. A former McDonald's uh, All-American, that type of talent, a guy that, albeit, you know, not a lot of success at Stanford, but has played at a Power 5 program, isn't going to be, you know, you know, taken aback by the, the type of talent he'll be playing against on a night-in, night-out basis in the ACC. And, and it's very evident to see why uh, we're all excited about him because the head coach raves about him. And we saw some of that on display um, in, in, in the live-action scrimmage. I'm sure FAU saw it up close when they had their secret scrimmage last weekend. And, of course, we'll see it uh, on display tomorrow night when they have their public exhibition, the last real tune-up for the team before the season opener um, in November. And so this is a guy that, you know, we, we look at the stats and we said, look, there, there's there's a lot maybe to be desired from a former five-star McDonald's All-American, but he wasn't surrounded by the type of talent he's going to be surrounded by with here at Carolina with Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, um, and those types of guys. And so I, I think this is going to be a guy that is going to flourish uh, for Carolina, and there's going to be a big reason why if this team does get back to the NCAA tournament, does make a deep run into March, I do think he'll 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 be a big reason why. Um, and and moving on to the next comment that we're going to play to you, or play for you uh, from from Coach Davis is a lot of goals and expectations uh, being talked about for this year, and if they're different from last. And here was how the head coach answered that question when he sat down with us uh, on the Wes and Walker show. The goal for us each year for me is for us as a team to reach our full potential. I think in the first year we did. Last year that was the disappointment was that we didn't reach our full potential. Whoever that was, I don't know, but it wasn't that. And so, you know, there's a number of factors, you know, you could talk about, you know, our lack of being able to shoot and, you know, distribute the basketball. But, you know, I, I, I think last year's group, you know, handling the direction of the noise from the praise and prosperity, you know, at times, sometimes you take your foot off the gas pedal a little bit and forget moments of what it actually took just to get there. You know, and you lose sight of that. And so th- those are lessons that I think, you know, especially Armando and RJ have learned from last year to this year and just moving forward to see if we can become the best team we can this season. It's 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 going to be interesting to hear the, the, the messaging because there's, there's, there's definitely some uh, quizzable – I guess you could say comments from 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 Coach Davis at times, you know, not knowing how or or, or or what the best version of you what your team was supposed to be last year. Now we know what the best version of your team was supposed to be. You were supposed to be a national championship caliber team when you returned four starters from a team that made the national title game the year before. Um, that's just the that's just the expectation, and it didn't happen. But um, you know, I I do think the thing that and he's talked about this all off season long. This group is hungry. This group is competitive, and this group likes each other, and it allows all those goals to be a lot more uh, attainable. Um, because and I believe this in my heart of heart. You know, I know football gets crowned as the ultimate team sport, 
I'll always argue that basketball is more so because I think your relationship off the court impacts what happens on the playing surface a whole lot more than it does in any other sport. Just because, you know, in football you're having a play called for you really just comes down to if you execute it or not. You're not – you don't have to be unselfish. You don't have to have this type of just natural chemistry that exists. That's why, you know, we, 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 we use that thought of that all the time from Coach Smith that you want five players on the court playing with one heartbeat. Um, that wasn't the case a year ago, and that's the biggest reason why – Carolina didn't attain any of the goals that they had set out for them when the season began. And so, um, you know, now the goal, the challenge is getting this new group to mesh and buy in together. And if that happens, I do think the team, I do think the program is put in a situation to have the type of bounce back season that we're all wanting um, them to have. And more importantly, what we're all expecting them to have. Now, this was a very interesting question that that I I personally asked him. Um, because there was a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth when Carolina skipped the NIT. And I, I think if you go back to the night when that became you know, official, I said that I don't agree with the move per se. I thought there was a lot of value um, in, in, in some of the guys that we knew would be coming back, having a chance to, to play and, and, and get some experience under their belt. But I understand it in this climate, in the current state of college basketball, it made sense to skip the tournament. You knew you were going to overhaul your roster both ways with you know players exiting the program and bringing players in. So I asked Coach Davis, you know, did the offseason justify that decision? And here was his answer. Well, the reason I make all decisions is I filter it through what is in the best interest of the program. And so my decision, and nothing against um, – the the NIT I, I I understand the history and the significance of playing in postseason tournaments and the NIT and it's a rich history and it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of the NIT um, a postseason tournament I made that decision because I felt like it was the best thing for our team not to participate I felt like this team needed to get back up and move forward and so that's why I made a decision and the off season was off season and to prepare us to put us in a position to get back to where we were um, not just a couple years ago but uh, us reaching our full potential as a program and as a team as much as it was a coach speak answer I got to do what's best ultimately that's right because if it if, if they wouldn't have skipped the NIT and let's say you miss out on a Harrison Ingram or a Cormac Ryan, guys that I think we we all wanted them to bring in upon them entering the portal, we'd all be sitting here now and complaining about it, right? And I do think a guy that you know grew up um, at a time where the NIT was still a pretty big deal, you know, played at MSG, so he knows even though it's not the NCAA tournament, what that crowd can be like. I don't think it was an easy decision that he had to make. But I do think it was one that he felt that he had to make, and you know that's what he's enlisted to do is, is to make the decisions that you know he thinks is best for his program, and hopefully at the end of the day the wins stack up and the success stacks up enough to where you know he never has, he never has to lose his job. Um, and 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 so I was very curious as to how he was going to answer the question, and I was very pleased with how I got my answer. The last thing we'll, we'll touch on from Coach Davis before we move on to the players. Um, you know, we talked about this when the non-conference schedule got released. Man, it's brutal. You know, it, it's it's as tough a non-conference schedule I've seen Carolina play in my lifetime. 
And I know I feel like I say that every year, but you got a defending national champion on 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 your on your schedule. You got an ACC SEC challenge with a Tennessee team that um, is going to be poised to make another run in the NCAA tournament. You got to play Kentucky, the Jumpman Classic. You got to go to the Battle for Atlantis, which is always difficult. Um, and this is something that we grew accustomed to under Coach Williams. I thought maybe when 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 Huber Davis got the job. They would you'd be a, you you'd see a shift and maybe see Carolina lighten up on the non-conference games. So far, that hasn't been the case. And the head coach of Carolina basketball, he explained why. We're in the ACC SEC challenge, so mm-hmm. it is what it is. We're in the C you know CBS Sports Classic. We're in the Jordan Classic, and before I took the job, we were in the Bahamas tournament. So it is what it is, you know, and so. Um, but every year, I, I I don't know, you know, what other schedule you would want. You you you, you want to play against the best in the country, and you want to see where you are and be able to compete against the best, and so it can prepare you for the remainder of the season. And so um, we're excited about every year the challenge that we have, and um, and see what we can become. You got to love that he understands the importance of getting your guys ready for the grueling 20 game ACC schedule and you know look if Carolina would have won one or two more games in the preseason or in the non-conference season a year ago maybe they make the tournament um that didn't happen but it's still I still think it's the right way to do it. I know, you know, Duke and Kentucky and 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 those types of schools, they, they they play one or two really big non-conference games on neutral courts. But that's why when they get into conference play, there's kind of a there's kind of a culture shock when they go on 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 the road and and, and whether it's for Duke ACC play, Kentucky SEC play, and they're on the road in these hostile environments, they're not prepared for it. Carolina's going to be prepared because they're going to play the right types of games to get them prepared. Um, and even though a lot of these big-time games are neutral site games for the Tar Heels this year, they're going to be in front of great crowds when they go see UConn at the Garden. Um, it's going to be, you know, it might be 50-50, but the 50-50 that, or the 50% of the Husky fans that are there, they're going to be loud because, you know, the Big East, it's, it's very popular in, in New York. They always show out for the Big East tournament. you got two premier brands in college basketball on the court. In that historic venue, there's going to be a great crowd. Um, you look at the battle for Atlantis. It's always it's why does they rival it rivals Maui as the best uh, they, in a holiday tournament that we have right now in the sport. And so um, it's still the best way to get you prepared. As much with as many with as many grueling ACC games as you got to play, it is the right thing to do. Whether it does impact your win loss total, uh, that's a different topic for a different day. So that's the takeaway. So those are the takeaways from the head coach of Carolina basketball. Now we're going to transition to the players. As I mentioned, Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, they were in tow, uh, and I got a chance, or we got a chance on Wesson Walker to have Armando Baycott come by the, the 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 set there, and I got the chance to ask him. You know, after four years, you know, you accomplish a lot individually. You played in a national championship game. Did you ever think about not coming back to Carolina? And here's what big uh, here's what the big fella had to say. Uh, no, especially not after how last year ended. I mean, it was a no-brainer. I knew I wanted to come back because I didn't want to leave Carolina with that's the last thought that the fans had of me. I mean, I'm a winner, and I love this school, and I don't want to leave it in a 
worse place than when I got here. You got to love, and, and this is what has allowed Armando to really uh, endear himself to Carolina basketball fans because, you know, I, I do think as much as any player that, 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 vo- that voices it so publicly, he does love Carolina basketball, and being a Tar Heel means everything to him. Of course, we know about the tattoo. He had the kind of the the horn the the horn style uh, the, the ram style horns uh, as a hairdo uh, at different times throughout the year last year, and so um, you know this is a guy that loves being a Carolina. He understands what Carolina basketball has afforded him right now, and will continue to afford him um, as he makes his way throughout his his basketball and non basketball life. And so, you know, I, I don't think this is a guy that. Uh, just came back to came back for the fun of it. I think he's a guy that came back because he, he, you know, he said he's a winner, and that's how he wants to be remembered. And you know, if we go off of last year, we wouldn't remember him as a winner. Moving on, you know, we we saw this, you know, pop up in the social media annals um, a few weeks ago, where he did an interview with John Fanta, who does a great job covering the sport for Fox, talking about how his relationship with Caleb Love is kind of like. Uh, a, a divorced couple with a kid. And, you know, it was a very, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, a very accurate, uh, you know, comment because Caleb Love still means a lot to Carolina basketball for his what, for all the moments he helped provide the team and the program. But this was a guy that no matter how we look at it, um, this, was, this was just a guy that, that it just didn't work. It didn't fit outside of that six-week run uh, to the national championship game. And so we had the chance to ask Armando if he could just maybe more so clarify those comments. And here's what he said about his relationship with former Tar Heel Caleb Love. So the guy he asked me was like, um, how does it feel like UNC's relationship with Caleb leaving? So I was saying like the marriage with a, I mean, a divorce with a kid because he left. But like his kid is like the big shot he hit and all the great moments that he oh, had. Okay. So he has an attachment to UNC forever. And, uh, I mean, it's unfortunate that Caleb still isn't here, but, I mean, like I said, we all love him still, and he'll always be Carolina. He'll come back here. He'll bring his kids to Carolina. He is Carolina. It's why we said at the time, you know, his legacy, that being loves, is going to be one of the more difficult to really ever define just because he's so polarizing. The guy hit one of the three biggest shots in the history of the program, but this was a guy that, you know, us as a fan base and really the the the, the team kind of forced him to to kind of transfer because it just wasn't just wasn't working for whatever reason and so um you know I'd like to think when the time comes and we honor that team for making the national title game that Caleb Love will will, will be there and maybe Armando Baycott and Caleb Love can be a divorced couple that does get along because they both deserve a lot of credit um, for taking that team on that run um, two years ago and really reminding us why we we fell in love with Carolina basketball in the first place. A lot of talk about the incoming freshman for the Heels this year. Elliot Cadeau has gotten the majority of the conversation, but after we saw Zayden High do what he could do in the live action scrimmage, this is a guy that is really starting to kind of peak up, you know, you know, peak the interest of Carolina basketball fans as well. And here's what Armando Baycott said about what the two freshmen will bring to the team for the upcoming season. They're gonna be great. They both will play. Uh, Zayden he does all of the little things, and he's not afraid to get in there and get dirty. 
he's physical, he rebounds, he scores around the paint, which are all great qualities. And then uh, Elliot, I mean, we all know who he is. He was the number one point guard coming out of high school, really talented, can pass, can do it all. So, I mean, we're excited for both of them, and they both will be huge com uh, contributors to the team. We know Elliot Cadeau, number one point guard that reclassifies. He's going to get the bulk of the attention. But, you know, I, I think Armando Baycott, he didn't mince words about um, Zayden High being the guy that does all the little things. He's not afraid to fight and scrap and, and do the dirty work. And, and frankly, Carolina missed that a year ago. Um, they didn't have that, um, mainly because they weren't deep enough. But it, it, it was a missing element because I've, I've always felt like when Carolina has that type of guy, just makes just makes them different because you know for the most part they're going to have as much talent as anybody as much ability as anybody, um, but when you have kids that are willing to work hard, it does rub off on the more talented guys, and they're more willing to sacrifice their body for a loose ball, stand in and take that charge while you know a 200-pound guard is coming full steam ahead downhill. And so, um, you know, look, I, I I'm guilty of it too. Elliot Cadeau has been the most fascinating freshman I think I can ever remember, just because I think he changes the way Carolina. It can play and is going to play overnight, but if you listen to what Armando Baycott had to say, there's a reason to be excited about the potential and the ability of Zayden High as well. A few more comments from Armando, um, but, but before uh, we move on to what R.J. Davis had to say yesterday at ACC tip-off, of course, this being his super senior season, this was his last offseason uh, with, with the program, and he, he wasn't shy of saying that of all of his five off-seasons, if you will, as a Tar Heel, this was the most competitive one. We brought in a lot of new guys, but those guys came from situations where they weren't happy with the amount of winning they were, I mean, amount of winning they were doing or how they were playing, and all those guys have come in hungry, and it's kind of gravitated to everyone, and it's been as competitive as it's been since I've been to UNC. I think this does one of two things. I think it speaks volumes about all the new guys that you've brought in, that you've got a, a, a culture of competitiveness that, that, that exists, and it didn't feel like it was a forced competitiveness. These guys showed up wanting to play, wanting to compete, wanting to prove they belong at a program like North Carolina. It also, you know, and I said I was done talking about last year as much as I could, it does point back to some of the issues that existed a year ago. Just because a team that came so close to winning a national championship Competing shouldn't have been a hard thing for them to do because there should have been a fire. There should have been a motivation. There should have been a drive to get back to the Final Four, to get back to the national championship, and ultimately cut down the nets. And that didn't happen. Um, and not to say that, you know, other years it was a problem as well, but you, we all thought last year we would never have to ask them to do the little things, to to make the extra pass, to dive on the floor for the loose ball, to, to, to make that rotation when it's going to be hard. And ultimately it was, and it was a big reason why the team, you know, failed to meet any of their goals they set out for at the beginning of the year. The last thing um, I got the chance to talk, or I got the chance to ask him uh, about talking about a national championship because that was all the talk a year ago. This year, it's not the talk. I think for most Tar Heel fans, a return to the NCAA tournament and advancing to the second weekend would be a successful year, but not according to Armando Baycock, because he said they talk about winning a national championship all the time. 
all the time. When you come to Carolina, that's the first thing, number one on our bulletin board is winning the national championship, and that's something that we're trying to get to. Obviously, two years ago, you came so close and don't get it done, so we just really want to get it done. You know, he's not wrong, folks. That is the expectation of the program when you've gone to – You've gone to twenty-one of them. Um, you know the, and I, I know you know we were twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two of them. You know you do get spoiled, um, and, and I, I often say that my expectation every year is for Carolina basketball to field a Final Four caliber team and a team that is capable of winning a national championship. And there's only been a really hand few, a handful of seasons in my lifetime where I could definitively look at it and say. That's not a Final Four team. That's not a national championship team. So I've been blessed in that regard. But, you know, I think that this speaks volumes about the guys that they brought in, that these guys are coming here knowing, yes, Carolina can help me individually if I help Carolina collectively first. And, um, you know, I've always said it. I'll always believe it. If you take care of the name on the front, it'll take care of the name on the back. And I feel like Carolina has a group that puts them back in a position to compete for a national championship. Now we'll finish up with the last uh, little bit of takeaways, you know, just a really a recap, if you will, of ACC tip-off with R.J. Davis. He was the other Tar Heel in attendance, and he was at the podium when he got asked about his leadership style entering his senior season with the Tar Heels. I mean, it's great. I mean, just for me and Mondo to be the veterans of this group um, and kind of for me, just you know, I've always been a leader by example, but kind of stepping out of my comfort zone by leading by more vocally, uh, stepping into that leadership role of, you know, just knowing the ins and outs and not being here for four years, going to my senior year. So um, just kind of like leading the guys and, you know, trying to show them the way how North Carolina run, how run things and what's the standard for us. And I think, you know, just for me, just to experience the good and the bad uh, with a lot of the experience, you know, I think I could lead this group along with Mondo. Um, but I think what's also uh, makes us such a dynamic team is we also have Cormac, who's been in school um, for quite a while, Harrison Ingram. So everyone has their own uh, leadership standpoint, and that's, I think that's what makes us you know, such a good team so far. I think this is something where we're going to see major growth, from our, major growth from RJ this year. There's no denying, even though Elliot Cadeau is going to play a role, who – the leader on the floor is going to be from a ball handling standpoint. Whenever whenever you play a two-guard system, the one thing it does create is it does allow for a lack of leadership to exist because there's not one guy barking out signals on both ends of the floor because they're interchangeable and intertwined. I'm not going to sit here and argue with that, that, that way of playing because I do think there is a lot of value in having two floor and uh, in, in two lead ball handlers on the floor. I think it makes you hard to defend. Um, but from a leadership perspective, I do think it, it does hold it does hold you back. And, and I do think this will be an area where you see just a night and day growth from R.J. Davis where he's going to be a lot more comfortable telling guys what to do because he's going to be setting the defense. He's going to be the guy calling the offense. And so um, I, I'm, I'm really expecting him to have kind of a, you know, whenever Bryce Johnson, his senior year, really blossom into this this leader for the Tar Heels and – was a big reason why the team made the national title game that year. Uh, I know I know Johnson was a big man, but I, I'm I'm expecting big leadership things from R.J. Davis in 2023, 2024. We talked, you know, we we heard Huber Davis talk about goals for the upcoming season. 
Well, R.J. Davis spoke about the type of goals he has individually and collectively as he enters his senior season at Carolina. I mean, I think the first one is always to win the national championship. But in terms of like goals as a team, it's just to hold each other accountable. I think that's the main thing. We got a you know group of guys. It's a new group, um, so obviously building that chemistry uh, was a needed piece throughout this off season and preseason. But just to kind of go into each game with that mentality of like you know we're gonna give every team their best shot. So you know holding each other accountable, doing the little things. Um, I think that's what would make the. Uh, our goals um, become uh, being able to accomplish all of them. It's going to be different, you know, because nationally and within the fan base, the expectations are different. But you you like to hear and see that internally the goals are still the same. We want to win an ACC championship and win a national championship, and we want to be a, a, a type of team that, that Carolina basketball fans can be proud of. And so – um, you know, RJ is a guy that is going to be brutally honest. That's the one things we love about him. Um, and 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 so I, I don't think he's lying when he talks about the goals for the upcoming season. Another thing he didn't lie about, or at least I don't, I hope he didn't lie about, was the identity that the team is going to have for next year. And I think his answer, it shouldn't surprise you, but it should excite you. I think our identity is going to be grit. Um, and playing with that competitive edge, uh, we have a lot of guys that want that want it. They have they play with a chip on their shoulder, um, and they all came to Carolina for a reason. Um, I think they're all excited to put that jersey on and run out that tunnel, um, and for them to kind of just compete for each other and this university. I think that's what's going to be like our identity right there. I don't know how many teams I I've actually looked at in my. 15 plus years watching the program and thought man they were they were a gritty team because you know we play up tempo we score a lot of points we we you know we 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 play a fun brand of basketball i i thought the 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 2011 2012 team was gritty because they 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 played the game a different way i thought the 2016 2017 team in their title run they were gritty just because they won different games and so different uh, in so many different forms or fashions. So um, I would love to see Carolina become better defensively. I'd love to see them be willing to sacrifice their body more often because when they do that, it elevates their ability to 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 win games at the highest level because as I mentioned earlier, they've got they've got the talent and the ability. But when you combine that with the heart, with the effort, that's when you know you've got a special group. I'd like to think we got a special group this year. And, you know, if, if, if this is a team that is routinely, you know, diving on the floor for loose balls, getting floor burns, you know, doing all the little things, you're going to hear me come in here and rave about that because that's something that, you know, as a basketball fan, uh, as someone that's, you know, really taught the game to my little brother who's grown to love the game like I do, it's one of the things I instilled in him is that, you know, you got to do the little things because – and in, in the end, it's a cliche statement, but the little things ultimately become the big things. And when Carolina does the little things very well, they really they they, they usually shows up with uh, big results. At the end of the day, two more comments from RJ before we get some closing notes and get out of here. And what's really just been a fast-paced edition of the show, we 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 really lamented the perimeter shooting woes that Carolina experienced a year ago. He talked about how the team can improve on that heading into the season. 
I mean, we have a, a lot of shooters this year uh, for myself, Cormac Ryan, uh, Paxson, uh, Harrison. So I think for us to being able to be confident and not get down from three, it kind of takes off the pressure from Mondo from being double teamed or triple teamed each game. So um, we have a lot of versatility throughout the whole line where guys are able to make plays, um, not for myself or Mondo, but for everyone. And we have the confidence enough to go ahead and knock it down from three. So. You know, I, I wrote an article that you can check out at HeelToughBlog.com talking about shot selection. That's been a big emphasis uh, th- this offseason, really making sure Carolina's taking the right kind of shots and the right players are taking the right kind of shots. Um, and I, I think Carolina's got better floor spacing with Harrison Ingram on the floor, Cormac Ryan on the floor, even Paxson Wojcik, a guy that can that can stroke it from the outside. And, and so... You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that Carolina's going to go out and shoot 45% from three, but I think they're going to shoot 37, 38%. And if that if that's the case, you know, some of those losses that were losses a year ago will naturally turn into wins this year because you're going to see the ball go through the basket at a much more efficient rate. The last thing we'll touch on from RJ, um, kind of more of a sentimental type of thing, is that with this being Armando super senior season, um, this no matter what, he can't come back to Chapel Hill. R.J. Davis will have a chance to play a fifth year if he so chooses because of the COVID year the NCAA granted granted back during the pandemic. And he talked about getting ready to play his final season with his uh, fellow or or, or 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 with or with the big man. I mean, <laughs> it's definitely uh, sad, you know, being a model of my freshman year. Uh, but just to see how he's grown as a, you know, a player and as a person, just to, you know, not knowing much of him from my freshman year, kind of just building a connection with him. But uh, I think, you know, this is going to be our, our best year, just in terms of you know, our connection being there, um, me being a senior, him being the old head. So I just think that... Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm super proud of him and super proud of the relationship that we built on and off the court. You know, you, you just think about recently the duos, the tandems that Carolina basketball fans have fallen in love with. Uh, Marcus Page, Bryce Johnson come to mind. Joel Berry, Theo Penson. You know, I think we all grew to love Kenny Williams, Luke May, and Cameron Johnson in ways that I don't think we ever anticipated falling in love with. And it was so hard to to, to watch them, you know, walk out of our lives from a basketball perspective. This duo's in that same category. Um, these two have endured a lot, having played through a pandemic together, having played through a coaching change together. Having played through a, a, a six run, a six week a six week run that was as good as any in the history of the program together, and then the disappointment of last year together. Now they're back again with a chance to to to, to leave, you know, especially with Armando on on a, on a positive note. Um, you know that senior night when they play, I think it's Notre Dame is their senior night game this year. It's going to be an emotional one because it's the last time for sure we know we see Armando Baycott in a Carol in the Carolina blue. And it very well could be R.J. Davis. And so I think it's been a lot of fun watching them grow up together, watching their relationship grow together, where you can tell they genuinely like and love one another. Um, and it's going to be one that I think as Tar Heel fans, you know, every time they walk on the court, we just got to soak it into this. This you know, this is the how many last time we're going to see to get, you know, it's just going to be a countdown because um, hopefully they got 40-some-odd games left in them. That means they play deep into March and hopefully into April. 
Um, because when it's all said and done, this is going to be a, a, a duo in a, 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 that we're going to look back on fondly of. Um, and one that, you know, in this era of Carolina basketball, you won't be able to tell the story of Hubert Davis without telling the story of R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott. And so, um, you know, the, the, that's going to wrap it up for uh, – that's going to wrap it up from the ACC uh, tip-off um, takeaways, some, some closing notes um, really just before we do get out. Um, of this edition of the podcast with ACC tip-off coming and going. Of course, we got the preseason ballot, which either I just forgot to vote on or I didn't get one. We'll have to check with Anthony to see if he either A, remembered to vote, or B, got the email. If not, if he got an email and I didn't, you know, that's one of the benefits of the Charlotte or the ACC office is being in Charlotte. I will march my way down there um, and have some, you know, a few choice words with them because I do feel like, Someone like me that loves that loves ACC basketball should be, you know, having his opinion heard on the matter. The Tar Heels picked to finish third in the ACC. That's the 49th time since 1970 they've been picked to finish uh, top three in the conference, um, which is by far and away the most. Uh, they do come in behind, as you could imagine, Duke, the favorite to win the league, and then Miami, a team that's coming off a Final Four appearance of their own a year ago. They were picked to finish second. Armando Baycott selected a preseason All-ACC first team. I kept checking to see if there was a misprint, if there was a typo. Didn't see R.J. Davis's name on there. Um, and you're going to be hard-pressed to find me 15 better ACC players um, than R.J. Davis. And as you can imagine, Elliot Cadeau, the most highly talked about ACC freshman maybe since Zion Williamson, he doesn't have the, the the draft type and the draft buzz that Zion had where Zion was the number one overall pick, but uh, he does have a lot of expectations around him individually. He's the preseason ACC Rookie of the Year. And additionally, just some watch list notes. R.J. Davis selected the Bob Cousy Award watch list that is handed out to the best point guard uh, in the country. And Harrison Ingram, the transfer from Stanford, he was added to the Julius Irvin watch list, which is handed out to the best small forward in college basketball. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast, guys. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for the latest Carolina basketball and football stuff. Football 6-1, and one, coming off that disappointing loss to Virginia. We'll be getting you ready for Georgia Tech. But um, with basketball season really 10 days away, that's where the, the primary focus will, will, will start to shift towards, and you'll see – um, a lot of basketball content starting to flow um, that way. As for the podcast, we're inside two weeks away. We'll be getting you ready with really all of our preview stuff, with the season preview. I've already contacted all the big guests for interviews next week. You can expect to hear from John Crispin, Brendan Marks, Josh Graham, all those guys and so much more. They'll be coming your way to help preview the start of the college basketball season. Make sure you don't miss a, a single edition just simply rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, most notably on Apple and Spotify. What well, is going to wrap up this edition of the show? I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!